3: All right, welcome on to Hollinger and Duncan. Great to have you here with us. And we got a lot to talk about. Let's let's get right into it here. Uh, we got to talk about Stephen Curry setting the three-point record. We've got the mounting health and safety protocol absences and what the league is going to do about that, if anything. And then also December 15th, that magical, magical day when historically not really very much happens, but you know, the leaks kind of start and people at least start trying to make trades. So we got, we, have, got yeah. we got, we got one ahead. other
4: thing to talk about too, man. uh, uh We have d- to eliminate
3: d- the Orlando magic from the playoffs.
4: Well, obviously that, I mean, that goes without <laughs> saying, Uh no, uh uh Justin Zana can't catch a break, man.
3: Yeah. Yeah. No, that's, it's, I mean, it kind of seemed like it was coming. This is one of those things where, and for those who missed it, Danny Ainge now is going to be, I guess you know, it seems like essentially the lead basketball decision-maker in Utah. And there was reporting when he left Boston that this might happen. And then they didn't do it right away. So I think from a PR standpoint, people kind of forgot about it. And now it, it is happening. The official role is, uh, is what exactly? <laughs> it said CEO and alternate governor
4: which is essentially, you know, in the Board of Governors meetings, like if Ryan Smith couldn't be there, it would be Danny Ainge. Um,
3: gotcha. Yeah. So I, it seems like this is maybe kind of more of a Arn Tellem-esque role where he will have ultimate say, but he's not necessarily going to be grinding on the day-to-day as much. There, you know, there's talk that maybe he was kind of burnout out in Boston. I don't know. I, I guess- I, he
4: also had a heart attack, right? Let's let's not gloss right, right. over that part. Yeah.
3: No, no, no. I mean, I, obviously, like, he – was working really hard, but this is a job that requires you to work really hard, right? I mean, having your ultimate basketball decision maker. I mean, I, I just, I. It seems like this is not a role. This is just reading the tea leaves here. I haven't heard this discussed, and so this may end up being incorrect, or additional reporting will disabuse me of this notion. But you know, he's not going to be in the trenches, go into a hundred college games a year, you know, that kind of stuff. Uh, and it's more just he's going to kind of be. I mean, if it's going to more of like an advisory, you know, Jerry West kind of role, that's one thing. But it doesn't. I mean, CEO. It doesn't seem like that's really the case. And he's, of course, good friends with Ryan Smith. And you know, being friends with someone that's uh, often a criterion to get you a job. In addition to being a really good GM with Boston. So I, I don't know what are you, what are your thoughts uh, on this whole thing. I j- I
4: just think it's hard to thread that needle where you're where you're still in that role, but you're not really the guy day to day. I mean, the Spurs have sort of managed it, I guess, because R.C. Buford is like, sort of handed off some stuff to Brian Wright, but like he's still around a lot. Like, I mean, he was actually at the game I went to on Saturday, uh, both of them. And uh, so it's interesting to see how Utah would attempt to manage that. And it's going to be interesting to see if Justin Zanuck leaves for an actual chance to run the team someplace else.
3: Yeah, that'll uh, be interesting to see what GM openings might be coming up. But we could, a team we'll be discussing later it might be one of those pretty soon. Um, he also San Antonio is an interesting structure because Greg Popovich still would seem to have the ultimate say there. In fact, Woj a little newser on this happening. Discuss Popovich as the second longest tenured GM and Ainge had been the third longest tenured GM with Boston. I think it was 2003, uh, when he came in and Yeah, I just, and then, you know, Dwayne Wade is still in the ownership. Like, that seems like maybe more of sort of a player liaison community sort of role. But it does seem like there are a lot of people in the organization at at this point who are going to have a say. But Ainge is being cast right now as the overseeing basketball operation.
4: Quinn Snyder has some pretty strong pull there, too. I mean, essentially won the um, power struggle with Dennis Lindsay, right? So,
3: yeah. Uh, Oh, yeah. So, that, that, yeah, it's going to be interesting to see what, what happens here. Generally, though, it does seem to me that the teams that have one voice seem to do a little bit better. These ensemble casts, like in Detroit, in Philly, before Daryl Morey came in. Don't well, just, what, I yeah. mean,
4: you're around one exception, though, right? I mean, Golden State is kind of, I mean, Bob Myers is definitely the, probably the strongest voice in the room, but there are definitely other voices there.
3: Yeah, there are, but it it also, you know, Joe Joe Lakeup is a voice also, but I don't don't think it's never been nearly as publicly unclear as I think it is right now in Utah. So we'll see how it goes. The good news for the Jazz is they're playing unbelievably well. They kind of have their team already. There's not really that, they've already traded some picks. There's not really that much more to do with this group. It's just like, hey, it's been built. Let's see how it goes. Yeah, it's
4: almost like yeah, it's almost like maintenance at this point, right? I mean, basically, you're looking to do one deal at the trade deadline, probably, right? Like you're going to do like a, a future first and whatever contract flotsam you have lying around to upgrade the roster for the playoffs, and that's like your move, right? Yeah. And then you're just like you know mid-level exceptions and whatever you got to do with the tax. Uh, so it's 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 not so once you're good running the team is actually. A lot easier than than when you're bad, or or when you're when you're or when you're injured. When you're bad and injured, which happened to us once, that's really you're doing a transaction almost every day. <laughs> that gets that gets pretty uh pretty cumbersome.
3: Yeah, well, that could have been a good transition to health and safety protocols, but I'm too depressed about that to talk about it yet. Let's talk about something awesome, <laughs> which was Steph Curry breaking Ray Allen's NBA three point record, and already was the greatest shooter of all time. Danny tweeted that yesterday. I completely agree with him, but uh, now numerically he has that he's, you know, going to probably make it 4000 before he's over he's taken even more threes than mm-hmm. he ever has. Do you remember I mean there wasn't nearly this much hype about Ray Allen doing it though, right? Beating Reggie No.
4: Miller. I mean I I remember I I do remember like it was definitely noted, but I think there was even at the time there was an assumption that the th- because we were just getting into the three-point era and attempts were rising every year, that it was almost inevitable that this record would get smashed at some point in the future, which is exactly what's happening with Steph. And I mean, the way the game is going and has gone, because Steph didn't have a lot of high-volume years early in his career, there's a chance he doesn't keep this record. As I mean, even though he's I think pretty clearly you would consider him the best shooter of all time when you consider you know speed of release and different distances and whatnot. He might not end up with the most three pointers when it's all said and done just because of how the game has evolved.
3: Well yeah maybe maybe that's so although i I definitely think just on a volume basis, it would be very very difficult to beat him just in terms of like getting these this number of shots off on a regular basis from three and not to mention making 43% of them over the course of his career, right? I think it was Kirk Goldsberry who had this stat that of the players to attempt 2,500 three-pointers, he has the highest percentage of any of them in addition to basically taking more of them as well than just about anyone, and he's taking more this year than ever. It's truly incredible. I I think a big part of the hype, too, has just been that it's Stephen Curry who's breaking the record, and people just know how brilliant he is. He's just so much more of a name than Ray Allen and is pretty close to the face of the league right now with how well the warriors are playing and, and also doing it in New York was big, but yeah, the,
4: Oh, I'm so glad. Oh yeah. Let's talk about that. I'm so glad he did it in New York. Cause you know, New York is so fucking important. <laughs> I'm sorry. Like when people started making a big deal about that, I'm just like, come on. Like
3: what about him doing it at home? Isn't that the thing you care about? Like, who gives a shit if he does it in New York? Well, I think if you had to pick somewhere outside of home to do it, I and mean, where where else would have been a better place than New York, Cleveland, Indiana, the, where they played the other night? Uh, I mean, Miller's, only Reggie
4: Miller's uh, home arena.
3: Yeah, I mean, unless uh, unless uh, I don't think people would have cared in Indiana unless they could have played it in Bloomington.
4: <laughs> Fair. <laughs>
3: Yeah, but I, I mean, I mean so I, I was, th- th-
4: this was preferable to it happening in Oklahoma City. I will, I will agree with that. You know, so yeah. at least it wasn't sort of a total nothing stop. But
3: well, and it was good that Ray Allen and Reggie Miller were both able to be there. That it happened in such a way where he only had two to go, and it was obvious that it was going to happen in yeah. that game. So uh, that that made me feel good at, at least, and that it was a moment that got. It's not even so much to me about that specific moment as just a celebration of how ridiculously good Stephen Curry has been and something that I think was kind of got forgotten a little bit once they signed Durant and the drama around him kind of became the biggest thing, at least the national story around the team. And I think it's just, this is an important moment for Steph to cement that he is a top 20 player of all time.
4: Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. And yeah, it was a way for us to, I think that's a good point, a way for us to kind of celebrate him because the last two years in Golden State were a little little dark, right? So uh, it's, it's kind of like, hey, remember me? Like, I'm awesome.
3: Well, and I'm glad that he could do it at a time when Golden State is playing well, and they're kind of on top of the league at least temporarily at the moment here so from something that's really fun and happy to the dark days again of the health and safety protocols and i I will preface this by saying this is not nearly as worrisome as last year because we have a vaccine the players are all vaccinated or at least have had the chance to be there we haven't heard any word of severe cases or complications i mean we didn't even last year that much either but they're Guys like Mo Bamba, for example, who would have issues for a few months. We haven't had any of that uh, among vaccinated players. Staffers are all vaccinated as well. Even even Alvin Gentry, you know, who got diagnosed today. Hopefully, uh, at age sixty seven, because he's vaccinated, it shouldn't be too much of an issue. Uh, that's again, fingers crossed on that. Rick so, Har-
4: Rick Carlisle's no uh, spring chicken either. Sp- no, no, that's that. true yeah. too.
3: So I, I at least this doesn't have. As much of like a you know a true human cost element to it as much, but if the league is going to continue this way, like th- we're going to see some disruptions. We saw our first two game cancellations already with Chicago this week.
4: Yeah, I guess I'm I'm still not crazy worried because I think the disruptions. Because the, the other thing is the time extent of the disruptions. Because so many of these players are vaccinated and we're getting to the point where a lot of them are boosted too, and we're going to see more of that. The players are getting out of the protocols pretty quickly, which which is, it, you know, so you're getting these situations where multiple players are in the protocols at the same time, but it's not, a team doesn't have to shut down for two weeks anymore, which is what we saw last year. And so I, th- I think the, the toll on games lost and particularly on games canceled or postponed is going to be much less because of that. And uh, look, there's going to be some disruption here, especially as we get into winter and the Omicron, you know, might take over and be more contagious or whatever. But it, it, it seems to me that the, the protocols that they have in place are at least pretty good and can hopefully stop things. The biggest thing is you need to stop the wave before it just wipes out the whole team. Right. Um, and vaccination and boosting will all help with that. And, they may have to fine tune some things here, uh, but I I don't think it's going to be a situation where it just sends the whole league careening off a cliff.
3: Yeah, that's uh, my hope as well, and I do think that the booster element is an important one because probably most players in the league got the Johnson and Johnson vaccine just exactly. to get just to get it just over to do with.
4: it in one right, but then they're more yeah. vulnerable because of that than than the people who did Pfizer or uh, Moderna. So
3: Yeah, and Johnson & Johnson still does a pretty good job of protecting against hospitalization, but it's also not nearly as good at just preventing transmission and getting, quote-unquote, infected uh, to begin with. So, yeah, hopefully the boosters will help with that uh, aspect, and hopefully they're doing some mix mixing and matching, and that will help also. The other thing, too, is we're not in a situation now where the health and safety protocols for vaccinated players are scrapping guys because they're close contacts and then they have to sit out just for five six days to determine uh, you're a close contact you're treated like you have the virus until proven otherwise now they're kind of going the opposite direction which that can lead maybe to more team breakouts if you're not putting any close contacts on ice uh but that's uh I, i think they're they're doing it relatively the right way Right now, are there any changes that you think should be made in how they're handling this, um, other than just waiting for the boosters to come in and hopefully help out?
4: Are we going to keep pretending that fans can't be contagious? Hmm. I mean, there there's twenty thousand other people in the building with them, right? Like, are we are we concerned about this? I mean, that's the that's the thing that strikes me, especially in some of the the arenas um, that don't have a, a vaccination requirement for fans, even.
3: Yeah, or or a testing requirement, or well, masks, I think, did, what, or anything. The, yeah, I, I should know this, but I don't. Maybe you do. Of just what is the requirement for fans who are in the first, you know, few rows?
4: There's a requirement right now. I think for the first 15 rows that they have to be either vaccinated or test negative, and I be, I believe that's in all 30 arenas.
3: Yeah, so I I'm hopeful that it, I think I don't think with fans unless it's the guy sitting in the seat right next to the bench that unless he were transmissible and he could get one or two people, I don't think that it it would be too much of a deal. But yeah, I I hadn't considered that aspect of it so far. That is something I think to have at least like a negative testing requirement for fans that are close enough. I I think throughout, you know, regardless of the local public health statutes to just do that throughout the NBA, both I would say, like just vaccination probably sh- wouldn't be enough at this point. I think you would want to probably do a negative testing requirement. If but yeah, that's also people don't necessarily want to have to deal with that. Maybe the the teams can just provide that for your you know five hundred dollars seat or more uh, potentially that close. Um, yeah,
4: I mean you yeah. you do yeah. see at arenas where they have you know testing stations for people in the lower bowl. I mean right. I, I I've I've definitely seen that. Um, Or or even uh, I want to say in the the New York arena is like they just had a testing station outside. So I think it was in was it Brooklyn where I was at that they just had a testing station right outside the arena. So like you could do a rapid test if you didn't have if you didn't have proof of vaccination with you and be led into the arena.
3: you're not going to get something that's made for you. So why not measure yourself in 10 minutes or visit a showroom rather than feeling like you're wearing somebody else's suit that they tried and failed to tailor for you. And not only does Indochino have the suits that made them famous, but now they've got everything. Blazers, pants, women's wear, outerwear, designed and made for you. Hundreds of high quality fabrics to choose from. European wools, linen, cottons tons of colors tons of patterns you can customize things like the lapel the vents the pockets And you'll get a piece that is personalized for you in fit and style. So level up your game with Indochino. Go to Indochino.com and use the code PER. Easy to remember because John invented it. Use PER to get 10% off any purchase of $399 or more. That's 10% off at Indochino, I-N-D-O-C-H-I-N-O, Indochino.com. And don't forget that PER code to let them know you came from us. I remember after college, before I was going to move on to the next chapter of my life, my buddy and I went to Hilton Head, South Carolina, to work some summer jobs and hang out. We had a great time, except for his car. His car was awful. We called it the P.O.S., it was like a 91 Oldsmobile Cutlass Sierra. We're allowed to talk about Oldsmobile now that it's a defunct brand, right? Is that okay? This thing had the turning radius of a World War One battleship, broke down all the time, just a, a miserable vehicle to drive. And when customers are rushing to your store, you want a point of sale system that you can trust, not a real POS like my buddy's car. You need Shopify for retail. It makes it easy to accept payments, manage orders, and build relationships with customers. You can sell in person, backed by everything that you need to sell online. Track every sale across your business in one place. Know exactly what's in stock. Connect with customers in line and online. You can drive in-person store traffic with plug-and-play tools for marketing campaigns on social media. Get great hardware that fits your business. Accept credit cards, mobile payments, every other major payment method all with low fees and transparent pricing starting on day one. Plus, their award-winning help is there to support you every step of the way. Do retail right with Shopify. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash PER. All lowercase. Easy to remember slash PER because John invented PER. Go to shopify.com slash PER to take your retail business to the next level. Today, that's shopify.com slash PER. The bigger question that that I have mean, the regular season is the regular season all these teams are going to have issues whatever there are too many games uh, already hopefully but hopefully there are enough games where you can still find something that's interesting to watch for teams that are full strength it, that, was, that was a little bit of an issue last year but yeah uh, but once we get into the playoffs are we going to have this issue because so a big part of why all these are coming up not only, I think, is that there are more cases, but just that there's more testing now. I think there are probably a lot of guys who, because they're vaccinated, were totally asymptomatic. They weren't getting tested regularly. And in theory, it was it was probably fine. We'll never know how many cases were missed over the first month and a half. The league started doing more testing with everyone coming back from Thanksgiving. And all of a sudden, there are more cases. You know, more testing does lead yeah. to more cases. And Eric Spolster talked about this the other day. He might have been a little bit premature, but at some point covid is going to become endemic everyone is vaccinated so in theory it's not a severe health threat to them at some point there are the health and safety protocols going to go away uh you know unless you uh are are symptomatic and then maybe they test you and take you out but other than that that they're not going to do more testing and then it doesn't take you 10 days and two negative tests to come back it's just like any other illness say hey, you're feeling okay you come back is that going to happen we, at some point
4: that's interesting um because it, it, <laughs> That that's an interesting point that I hadn't considered.
3: Yeah, I
4: I I just wonder if the league is a little worried about potential liability from that right now. Um, yeah, but that that's that's one to consider, especially when by the time the playoffs start, which is in April, you hope this wave will have crested. I mean, please, <laughs> right? <laughs> um, and uh, and we'd be dealing with fewer cases to begin with, but you know, you'd hate you'd hate to see. You know, especially in in environments where it's one or two games, you know, you'd hate. To, you know, the league would have a big issue. I think if the Lakers lose their play in game because their you know star players test positive.
3: Yeah, and we, I mean, we you, came. You,
4: you see what I did there?
3: <laughs> I do. So I I do. I mean, the other option, of course, is if the league is, you can go the other direction and reinstitute some of the stuff. All right, you can't go anywhere on the road. You got to wear masks all the time. Now, would the Players Association agree to that this time around? Yeah. You know, I'm not really sure. I think, though, if I were running a team, I would very much, not during the regular season, but when it comes up to playoff time, I would very much attempt to have some of my players uh, voluntarily institute some of the restrictions that they had uh, last year. Well, and you, like,
4: I mean, yeah. you saw teams doing that last year, especially uh, as we got deeper in the playoffs where yeah. they just, they just weren't screwing around. And uh, you know, Milwaukee Phoenix and the finals, like they, they weren't going out on the town. Let me tell you and like, yeah. and even their staffers and whatever were keeping a really low profile for that reason.
3: Yeah, although even then, it, they almost, you know, I they, still it, wonder, it still
4: almost went sideways, right? Yeah. Right?
3: I still wonder whether, if the Bucs, because reporting indicated that Giannis was not vaccinated, if the Bucs and Giannis were honest about his close contacts, whether he would have actually played in the finals or not. I'm, I'm guess because he would have been, as a non vaccinated player, he would have been subject to, to quarantine. Really, wasn't it a close contact of his brother who tested positive right right. yeah that's i that strains credulity
4: yeah yeah
3: so we'll see what what ends up happening here it's but this again we've seen sports is ahead of our society in a lot of ways there's now going to be maybe a a reckoning of like all right at some point we are going to live with this and we're not going to treat this like if you get covid you you need to be quarantined and it's just like any other illness and it's just that's going to be a difficult decision for our society and the powers that be in the NBA to make. And you mentioned potential liability issues uh, as well. Um, You know, hopefully there's not nearly as much of a risk of that if you are vaccinated. Yeah.
4: I think, I think the key data point that nobody knows yet is just how strong this Omicron variant is. And if, if that becomes the dominant straight, like how would basically what's the death rate from this thing just to get, you know, just completely to the bottom line. And And I think that's going to impact some decisions. And we just don't have the information yet.
3: Yeah. Well, this Pfizer antiviral pill is also very promising as well with a 89% reduction in hospitalization among the unvaccinated. Because you could say,
4: say, oh, you tested positive here. Take this pill. You know, take two of these and call me in the morning. Yeah.
3: Right. Right. Uh, Okay. Let's get into trade season here now.
4: We ended this in a really optimistic place for something that started pretty dark, huh?
3: (laughs) I I, I mean- I'm relatively optimistic about the COVID situation in this country. We'll see. I followed it pretty closely. I'm not as much of an expert on it as I used to be, but hopefully I will end up being proven right on that. Um, yeah, but there's always always something could change it in this saga. Let's start by, let's start by talking about the New Orleans Pelicans. There's reporting over the last week that they are expected to be buyers at the trade deadline, despite the fact that, I mean, I would imagine Zion's at least going to miss two more months. With the this latest setback, like I, I don't see him coming back before the All Star break. Now,
4: well, so here's the thing: when you, I, I learned a lot about foot injuries, both because right. of some of the homework we had to do on draft prospects, um, and because of what we went through with Mark. If the, if it doesn't take, a lot of times they have to go in and basically re-break the foot and do a do version, do a revision, yeah. do do a second. I, I talked
3: about that same thing dunked on Dunk Don yesterday. Uh, yeah.
4: It's what. Uh, Karis LeVert had that done as a collegian, actually, and he obviously has been fine since then. So it's not it's not a death sentence, but it would totally knock him out for the rest of the season. Um and so it seems to me that it's trending toward that, although I'm not I'm not privy to any exclusive information that anyone else has seen, just based on what we're seeing from from the information on on how the healing process has gone. And if that's the case, I mean for crying out loud, you're 8 and 21 and in 15th place. Like you, you have work to do to catch the freaking thunder. Okay. Like what, what are we doing here? Like they, yeah, sh- and- they should just, they should just, they should just go all in on, on, uh, on going down to the bottom and get, get as high a pick as possible out of this disaster of a season. Um, unfortunately, that might, uh, reduce, uh, the employability of at least one or two people there. Um, uh, and so that could be a factor
0: here.
3: Yeah, Chet Holmgren would be, I think, the absolutely perfect complement to Zion Williams. It it, for for Zion Williamson, if uh, they're able to get him, for example. I mean, obviously, you don't, especially with the new rules, you don't want to get too in love with one player, even if you are one of the worst teams, and they'll they'll have competition, obviously, from uh, the Magic and the Thunder and and all that, also. But yeah, the idea of them being pirates, and in fact, Mike Scotto reported earlier today that the Pels discussed trading future first round picks and pick swaps for Ben Simmons, which
4: I can't, I, you're putting him with Zion. Like that Zion <laughs> might be the single worst player to pair that Z- Ben Simmons with, right? Like we're, we're, you're going to yeah. see teams play a zero five zone, right? All, all five players inside the smile under the basket, right?
3: Yeah. Well, and then you still don't have a rim protector even with those two guys as well. So, so, finding a rim protector who can shoot is also extremely difficult. So you're, you're probably, they'll still want to play another traditional center, especially if it's uh David Griffin, he seems to love himself some traditional centers. Uh, I know Jonas Valanciunas is all of a sudden the greatest shooter ever, but I, I, he still doesn't quite fall into that category for me. So yeah, I really wouldn't understand it. I mean, this just seems like moral hazard to me now at this point with David Griffin.
4: Yeah. And it's, like there there's there's a way for the pelicans to make something positive out of this out of this uh disaster of a season too and that's just to go like just go all in on the tank and and you know see what you got for next year um i don't necessarily think that involves moving off of ingram let's say who is you know still 24 uh but i think they got to got to think about some things here and you know, look look at what the trade value is of some of these secondary players on these on this team, and their their veterans. Uh, sadly, uh, they probably can't get anything for Thomas Sadaranski at this point. Um, I
3: mean, Valanciunas—they they couldn't trade him for Alonzo Ball. <laughs> that, that, that <laughs> that would, would be, that's not an option. That
4: would be one way out of this. Yes, trade him and Garrett Temple for Alonzo Ball. Um, Valanciunas has the most trade value, probably. His extension looks pretty decent right now. Playoff teams are going to be a little leery of him because he can get exposed in pick and roll defense. Um, offensively, he's pretty damn good, and if he's not playing against a big forward, I think there's room for him to operate in there. So uh, th- that's probably the one guy they they got to look at, and then you know just see what the you know what's the market for like Josh Hart? Can they can they get something for him? Does it make sense to keep him around at his number? I, th- I think that's the other kind of interesting question with them.
3: No, I, I think you're right. And the problem with David Griffin, too, is not only has he been making win-now moves before they've needed them, right? First trading for Eric Bledsoe and St- Steven Adams, and then the Adams for Valentinus, while giving up significant draft capital to do that and get off of Bledsoe, and, but letting Lonzo Ball go at the same time. All of his moves to win now haven't even worked to win now. And you shouldn't yeah. have even been trying to win now to begin with. Yeah. So yeah. this is the guy you want making more win now moves that aren't even going to work to win now. Now, uh, so, so, I mean, I, I think they should move on from Griffin at this point. Uh You, you joked that Justin Zanuck might be available, but I, I think there is one, maybe a silver lining in this, which is, I think this whole saga makes Zion more likely to stick around now. He might Is stick he, around would, and be just like wasting money on, on their salary cap because he's so injured. But I <laughs> do, think do you
4: do you even give him a max at this point, or do you give him like the Embiid version where there's like all these you know little bells and whistles that that trigger him actually getting the money?
3: Yeah, the Embiid version uh, that was I think kind of overblown. I think that was more kind of like. Hey, let's sell ownership on this that we protected ourselves as opposed to a realistic way to get out of it. Cause I think the triggers were like two years beforehand, and he would have had to have been waived two years beforehand before it guaranteed, and they were never going to do that. I think yeah. this might be how I would approach it mm-hmm. if I were them. Yeah. Maybe I would come in and I mean, obviously we got to see where he is, whether he comes back this this season, what kind of shape he's in, et cetera. But I think what the way I would approach it is next July 1st. You know, all right, if he comes back and plays the last 20 games. And he looks like the same guy from last year, and he's in in shape. Okay, I think then you just throw him the max uh, at the start of next year. If he's kind, of, if it's kind of iffy, or he doesn't play again this year, maybe you say, hey, you know what? On on July first, I'm going to offer you this. That's you know, you can't go five years unless it's the max. So maybe you would go the max with like two non guaranteed years in the end, or you would go four years for less than the max, and then it, but you would say, hey, you know, this is the offer right now. If you come into camp in awesome shape and you know, you make it through the preseason uninjured and you're playing well, you can wait then and we'll sign you to the max then. Uh, you know, if, if you come into camp and you're looking really good in camp and, and we actually are, are confident that you can make it through the season the way you did two years ago. What, what do you think of that idea?
4: What's wrong with just having him play out the whole year? What do you, what well, do you, lose, what do you lose with that?
3: Um, well, so, so the qualifying offer is interesting, right? If he, if he plays, well, number one, it would piss him off. Uh, n- number two, because yeah. I, I mean, I would say the risk, because uh, c- if he's not, whether he's taking up $30 million on your salary cap or not mm-hmm. going forward, if he's not good for the next three years, your team's going to suck regardless. And you're still like, it won't really matter that you're paying him 30 million because you wouldn't be competitive no matter what. So you just, you know, it's it'd be the same as like the Pelicans having, or I'm sorry, the Thunder having Kemba Walker on their cap right now. You see what I'm saying? Where it's just like, Hey, you're, you're going to be terrible and you're going to be getting high draft picks over that time. Whether you have a Zion who can't play at all making 30 million, or you just don't have them at all. So I actually don't think the downside now over a five year period. Yes. Um, But also you, they could get a long-term injury exclusion on him at some point. If he really just couldn't play though, those are, those are tough to get. But uh, so I think, Signing it, especially, you know, if you could do four years or was only three years guaranteed, you know, protecting you from having to go that full five years Mm -hmm. and it's only three or something, I think that's okay because you're in total rebuilding mode during that period anyway. And that having a dead 30 million doesn't matter that much at that point. That's that's interesting. I think the greater risk is he's awesome. You piss him off and then he doesn't want to be there anymore, as opposed to that you sign him for, say, three years and he's all right, you have this terrible team regardless uh, of whether he's on your team or not cuz he's just not playing see what i'm so saying you're
4: not, so you're not going to try to get the curry discount well i would
3: try to get that yeah. that's what i'm saying I, that would be my offer on july 1st next year but i would also want to give him a carrot of hey like you haven't you haven't been great but if you come in an unbelievable shape because that obviously has been a problem uh then we'll reevaluate and we're going to up our offer when you get into camp. Because I think just seeing him in camp, that's very important information for me. Like, that's the big problem. They don't have enough yeah. information.
4: Yeah. Five years with no options in a small market is also obviously desirable. Uh, yeah. Ret- retain your rights to the player. Uh, you know, that's always, I mean, from my experience in Memphis, it's just it's just the smarter way to operate because you know you're not going to be able, if the guy goes, you're, you're not going to be able to make that up in free agency. There were a couple cases where we had to give guys player options but we i mean that was one thing we we fought pretty hard
0: on just because we always wanted to be able to keep the guy for as long as we could at bet365 we don't do ordinary we believe that every sport should be epic every basket every game every point every play from the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar whether it's a three point at the buzzer to tie the game or a player that goes 2 for 2 at the foul line whatever the sport whatever the moment it's never ordinary at bet365
2: and if you love the fillet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6 limited time only price and participation may vary cannot be combined with any other offer single item at regular price
3: Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. so all right who else do we need to talk about besides uh, the pels going into to trade season uh, what about portland yeah another loss last night to a shorthanded phoenix team at home uh, they just it's not working i think i feel pretty comfortable saying that there isn't a team in here that's going to be fighting for home court advantage in the West. You, you agree with that at this point, or you think that that there's still a scenario on that?
4: I mean, the West, the, the four through 12 spots in the West have been dismal enough that you can't totally rule it out, I guess. But I mean, sir, surely they're, they're not catching the top three teams, right? Like Golden no. State, Phoenix, and Utah are long gone. And they're, you know, they're never, they're over the horizon at this point. Um, yeah, I I agree with you. I mean, I was in Portland last week. I guess it was 10 days ago now. Um and just uh I mean, there's there's just not a lot there, I mean, other than especially I mean, Lillard has not played up to his usual standard. If he played better, he could go, you know, they could go on a little run like they've done the last couple years where he has a bunch of big scoring games. They win like 7 to 10 or 8 of 10 and Bam, they you know they end up at like 45 wins or something. But that's like the ceiling for this group. Like they're just not that good. And uh, d- defensively, they're bad. Um, I think Robert Covington has started to show his age this year. I think Nurkic has been statistically good, but his mobility at the defensive end has definitely taken a hit since that injury two years ago. Uh, so you, you, you just struggle to see how it all comes together for them as anything really better than an average team. And we'll see. I mean, the one card Joe Cronin has is, I think, if you trade CJ and get a legitimate NBA wing out of it and move Norman Powell down to the two, now can you be more of a real defense?
3: I I think that's probably right. I, I never understood that Powell acquisition at all for that reason that you just with those three guys as your one through three regardless I mean they've tried as much as they could they've thrown plenty of resources into the four and five to try to get better defensively I think they've done about as much as they realistically could have at those spots but yeah just your one through three are so bad there also just the issue of Damian Lillard and his performances I mean he's shot over 50 percent twice or I'm sorry four times this entire season
4: yeah, and he's he's 31. I mean, you know, is this is this the beginning of him being still good but maybe not at that all NBA level that he had he had been at and really the foundation of any hope for the Blazers was of Lillard just being absolutely awesome offensively and just bending the defense so out of whack that it allowed other guys to thrive and and they could be a below average defense and Oh, well, we're number two in offense, so it doesn't matter. And th- th- that's just not the team they are right now.
3: And moreover, Lillard wants this two year extension. The party line right now, he can get that in the offseason. The party line right now is that they want to maybe make some moves, but still continue to build around Dame. What do you make of that idea?
4: Uh, I understand the motivation to try to, to try to, try to play this out. I mean, they they don't have a lot of other cards to play. The problem that they're sitting on is that if they're going to... They, like, they have to renegotiate the protection with Chicago just to be able to trade another first. And really, their only way of improving the team on any kind of meaningful scale is probably to include a first, at least one, in a trade. Like, CJ McCollum and multiple firsts for Ben Simmons, right? Like, that's that's the trade construction that every Blazer fan dreams of right now. I think um, that that's, that's probably the one sort of really interesting thing that could move the team forward. And you could say, if it doesn't work, we'll just turn around and trade Dame and Simmons. Cause they both have years on their deal.
3: Yeah. Well, I don't think Philly wants CJ McCollum. Uh,
4: yeah. That would be, that would be the other stumbling block. <laughs> the, yeah, yeah. The, the other the team, team has team. to actually want your guys uh, that, that extension uh, that, Portland signed CJ to, uh, just it overvalued him. And I think that's a, that's a real killer for his, his trade value right now. And so you end up looking at things like, well, we can do stuff with Nurkic or Covington or, or Nance, but you're, you're just working around the edges at that point. I just, I just, I can't see a move involving them that has the oomph to push Portland forward in a meaningful way. Like, could they, could they do a deal? Like, if they, if they traded for DeMontis Sabonis, like, what, what would you, Think of that. Get another Sabonis in Portland, um, but it would it would probably be what? I mean, what, what's what's Indiana? What's Indiana's motivation to do a deal like that? I guess.
3: And yeah, it, McCollum would be the guy going back there. Yeah, I, I mean, I would probably be more interested in Miles Turner if I were the Blazers than Sabonis because they are trying to get better defensively. I, I mean, I guess it, this goes back to me though. The sine qua non is that. Damian Lillard has to be good and yeah he's been dealing with this abdominal injury He just missed time for that do you are are, if you're Portland are you willing to say okay maybe he has to have some surgery for that and we're gonna shut it down our pick is lotto protected let's come back in with a a nice lottery pick that we could trade at at the draft or something and try to build again you know maybe we'll move CJ if there's something decent maybe not Uh, but uh, would you maybe go that direction I've but the big problem to me like if Damian Lillard is not going to be the guy that he was the last two regular seasons then all this is is kind of pointless the
4: entire house of cards like. falls yeah yeah, yeah. cuz there's um, there's not there there's only one all-star caliber player there so if that one goes to zero yeah then you're you're not going to win sorry
3: well so this has been this point has been made by some that hey it's actually time for the blazers to look at trade be proactive and trade Lillard right now. If you're running the Blazers, are you looking at that option?
4: I think you have to look at that option if you're Portland just because the return you could get on him would be massive and I think I mean even in a rebuild, it's relatively easy to build a team back to the point where the Blazers are right now. Like oh oh no, we can't do that. How will you know? What if we're not average in 3 years? Like you you, you could probably get to that point. Um uh, so I I do think just because of the amount of assets you'd be able to get back in a Lillard deal, I I do think that's something you have to look at. Or even you know Lillard and a Ben Simmons deal that brings you other stuff from Philadelphia. I mean, is that not really interesting? Is you know could that not reshape kind of what what the future of this team looks like? I mean, you would it wouldn't even make you that bad, would it?
3: Yeah, maybe I, it depends what you think of Ben Simmons. I suppose I, I would probably then try to flip Ben Simmons uh, again for for something else. I I kind of think he's just leaving you mediocre. But this this just is this is such an existential question of just what it means to like own a team and operate a team in a market. Like like what is the point of even having a basketball team? Like you almost have to answer that question before you can even decide h- how to handle things with Lillard.
4: Yeah. And I mean, I've been down that road a little bit. I mean, when we had, you know, in Memphis where our core four guys were all aging, right? I mean, we made the decision the one year not to bring back Zach and Tony. And that was, I mean, it's an emotional decision as much as a logical basketball decision. And then the same thing with yeah. Mike but, and Mark. But clearly that we were,
3: was the right basketball decision.
4: That was the right, right basketball that, there's decision. There's no two ways about that. And the even more right basketball decision would have been to trade Mike and Mark right then. But <laughs> that that's just not like... It's like Turner... Their decision to rebuild is like turning around an ocean liner. I yeah. I, I think we've, we've seen it in multiple places now. And I, I think we're going to see it in, in Portland right now where... I mean, fortunately for them, they have a little bit of time to ride this out because Lillard is signed there for at least two more years. But I think certainly by the trade deadline of the 22-23 season, they have to know if they're kicking or sticking, right? That's when Lillard has 18 months left on his deal. That's probably about the time when you could still get pretty close to maximum value for him as long as he's still playing at a high level. Now, the other thing is if his level of play continues to go down, then what you can get in a trade goes down too.
3: Well, I think a very instructive piece of this is what Oklahoma City did with Russell Westbrook. Where now Westbrook, I think he kind of wanted to leave. That is he preferred to be in Houston at that point. And that's the problem. Like Damian Lillard asking to be moved would almost make it easier for them at this point, I think.
4: Oh, absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. As, Cause as long as he's staying, saying he wants to be there, that, I mean, that becomes a tough sell in that, in that market. And, you know, there, there is some evidence that fans, I mean, fans are attached to the guys who came up with the team and have been there the whole time. I mean, we, we sure. went through that went through that same thing. I mean, I, I like I had a season ticket holder just come up to me at one of the games and say, if you trade Mike and Mark, I'm never coming back. Like that's like that, that totally happened. Um, so I do think there's an emotional attachment there. Uh, and, and that becomes, and that becomes part of it. And so it's, yeah, I mean, it's it's kind of how the game has changed a little bit, right? In some ways, this is all this is led by the players now. We've seen the same thing in Washington with Bradley Beal, right? Where you could argue a year or two ago, their best move would have been to trade him for a bunch of assets, and they've resisted doing that.
3: Yeah, well, and then there's also the idea of this extension and whether you would want to give him this extension in the offseason, because it does seem like from the reporting, it, that Woj article was not, I would say, the most balanced that's ever been written, but I do think that the information that he is down to stay in Portland if they're willing to give him that two-year extension to take it out a- another five years from yeah. this upcoming summer would be enough to keep him there
4: uh that extension to be clear would be freaking madness okay so I I, I just that, that 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 to me that to me would be a very negative signal about yeah. how they're running things in Portland if they if they uh keeled over on that one.
3: Well, the good news is that they have a ton of stability uh, in the organization. Rock solid GM, president of basketball operations, been there for a while, has full autonomy to do whatever he needs. An experienced owner who's really engaged with the team, uh, understands the import of what all these moves would be. So they they should be fine.
4: Yeah. uh, Joe Cronin's a a smart guy and a good guy, and a lot of people in the league are rooting for him. So hopefully he has the ability to – do what needs to be done there.
3: No, I I, I would agree with that. I, I'm not casting aspersions on him specifically. It's just that that it's not like a stable organization, and they need to make yeah, totally a, a decision here over the next at, at minimum seven or eight months, or, or at maximum seven or eight months. That's going to just completely you know this could be the next five years of, of this franchise, either being totally in the wilderness or, or rebuilding now. I mean, if if it were me, honestly, I would be looking to trade Damian Lillard uh pretty quickly here and because it's just it's clear that they're not going to win a championship with this group to me for my person for me if i ever owned a basketball team or was running a basketball team it's all about trying to win a championship at some point in the future yeah i wouldn't mind having a memphis-esque run where you're you know maybe you could get to the conference finals but you're winning 50 games every year for sure but they're not they're not at them yeah
4: no they're not they they it looked like they were there two years ago and then they Assembled the deepest, most talented roster
0: in franchise history and,
4: and stop being good.
0: At Bet365, we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every basket, every game, every point, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. Whether it's a three-point at the buzzer to tie the game or a player that goes two for two at the foul line. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment. It's never ordinary at Bet365.
2: And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price.
3: Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Any other teams that uh, have been attracting your interest here as we get into trade season?
4: Uh, Boston. Yeah, I don't get it. Okay. What, 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 uh.
3: The, what, the idea what, of trading Jalen Brown—that's the thing that's that's been most out there. Is, is that what you're referring to, or is it something else?
4: Uh, yeah, that 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 would be the thing.
3: Um, Why are you going to do that?
4: Only if you could get something back that maybe fits better with Jason Tatum. Like I just, I it's hard. Boston to me is underachieved and underachieved last year too, and it's just frustrating watching them play because they make offense look harder than it needs to be. Um. And I, I just don't know how they – like, how do they snap out of that? Maybe it's too reflexive to say, well, trade Jalen Brown because he is their second best player. Uh, but I, you just wonder if it's – Brown and Tatum, I mean, they've been together for half a decade now. And it's still – like, they're – it still feels very my turn, your turn. Like, they're not – there's not any uh, synchronicity between the two.
3: Um, so, they're – this year – Jalen Brown obviously had missed 13 of 18 with this hamstring issue. Mm-hmm. Jason Tatum and Jalen Brown on the floor together, plus 7.4. Okay. Uh, a lot of that is really awesome defense. You know, their offense is a little bit below average. Uh, their current starting lineup, 181 possessions, is plus 18.3 with Horford and Robert Woods. They're not going to play those guys together that much because they're going to stagger the centers, but I think that's still important. And I don't, the idea that those guys don't complement each other. I think that's a little bit of a myopic view on offense because I think they do really complement each other defensively. I mean, just to have your stars also be very good quality defenders Mm -hmm. on the wing. And, you know, yeah, those guys probably could become better playmakers and better passers. Like, that's the big... Like, they actually score okay on their own, but they need to set up their teammates a little bit more. They also... A little bit of a problem, too, is that they don't actually have, like, good shooters around those guys ever. You know, if you actually went with a more offense focused roster or it played more with Al Horford at center with those two guys like I thought that looked pretty good in the Bucks game the other night so I I just and then I mean the bigger thing too is you know what are you getting for Jalen Braun that is going to help you build around Jason Tatum and be a better basketball team than Jason than Jalen Braun makes you that's the other thing that I'll get right if they're I mean the most common thing that's been put out there is maybe like Braun for Ben Simmons and some picks right yeah you're, you're better now after that like jason tatum is coming into his prime as well like you're trying to win right now you're not you have tatum you're never going to just totally rebuild i just don't see what the trade is with jalen brown that makes you retool better around jason tatum still not a top 10 player in the nba by the way maybe he gets there in a year or two but i just don't see where you're going if you trade jalen brown like you maybe Get a little bit worse. Maybe you're about the same. I, I mean, and also like these wing guys usually tend to develop a little bit later, at least as far as hitting their prime. So I, I would want to hold on to these guys. That's my thought. Unless there's just some intractable personal issue.
4: Right. Right. You, th- you think Brown for Simmons sets them back though? You Game, might. Yeah. With, with the other personnel there, you might. I don't know. It would be nice if they have, could have somebody who could like push the ball up the court and create for other people and stuff and make, yeah, make life a little easier that way. Um but in the half court, I mean the issue you always run into with Ben Simmons in the half court, you really want to have four shooters around him. Yeah. Uh so he he hurts Robert Williams. Um you know, Grant Williams has turned into prime Steph Curry, so maybe he could still play with him. But uh
3: Yeah. That, that's wh- been an underrated story how well he's shooting this
4: year. <laughs> right? But like what well, that Well, come so
3: from? here's here's the other thing too. You know, Marcus Smart, I think you know, fits really well with those guys defensively. They can do some switching. Sort of I I do think they're Hopefully they will be better defensively than they've been now that uh, that Brown is back and that they can start to ascend a little bit uh, on the strength of their defense, uh, which was awesome against the box the other night. Yeah, I, I'm and I'm focusing on that because that, that was Brown's first game back. He had missed thirteen eighteen, but also when you this idea that these guys can't work together offensively, they're playing with Dennis Schroeder and Marcus Smart, neither of whom can shoot as their point guards, and they're usually playing with the center uh, inside as well. So it's not. There's a concern, oh, they don't get to the basket enough. They don't set guys up. Well, they're not playing with a ton of space right now either. That's a
4: fair point, and that was going to lead to my next question, is what can you do with the rest of this roster?
3: Yeah. Now, I think that's a a more reasonable question. I do think Grant Williams is pretty good. There's talk of like, hey, they might trade Dennis Schroeder because they can't afford him next year, and Schroeder's been okay for them. He's been more efficient than normal, and scoring doesn't pass at all pretty – very one-dimensional offensive game, but you know he's filling a role for them at at, at a price. That's fine. I, if they're, I'm not that worried about re-signing him. I don't think you're getting a first-round pick for him in trade, are you?
4: No, I'd be shocked. I think two seconds is the ceiling. Uh, can you do something with Schroeder and Josh Richardson and get back, you know, somebody who's like a sustainable part of the future? You know, yeah. Josh somebody Richardson, who makes, somebody who makes fifty. Josh Richardson has not been bad this year yeah but he did he hasn't been a difference maker either
3: no i think like offensively he's been better than expected he's just not the same guy defensively that he was in miami a a couple of years ago i would say he's just kind of he's more just like a guy that's not going to kill you as opposed to like a real defensive playmaker like like he was um yeah yeah, yeah, robert williams they it's to be difficult to move him uh, given the fact that he's got the poison pill on, on his Extension, Speak, they speaking want to of, keep him speaking of
4: Poison Pill, uh, actually, I don't think they can trade Josh Richardson because of that weird one-year extension they signed him to.
3: Uh, I don't think that that violated the extended trade rules. I think they're actually okay okay, to move him. I, and, and in fact, I would be – yeah, the, yeah. They're, they, they, under the Carl Anthony rule, yeah, it's only – it's not uh, – uh, I think it's actually like right within the raise percentage that would have been allowed under that. I think it's like, it's like a 5% raise that you can get. So I, I think they're actually okay there. Okay. Okay. Um yeah, I think it's almost exactly that. So I, I don't know where you go here. Do you want they're already out of first round or I guess they're not out of future first round. They they traded one last year in the Kemba trade, but they have all their picks going forward. The good news is that uh the Gerson Yabasele stretch comes off the books after this year. Demetrius Jackson, however, will live on for two more years. <laughs> yeah, at ninety two
4: thousand eight hundred and
3: fifty seven dollars. Yeah, yeah. Uh okay, we we got Time for just one more quick one here, maybe in about five minutes or so. Uh, you, you got the Cavs here in your list. The Cleveland Cavaliers, do you think they should be active at, at the trade deadline? Can they? Should they do something to try to
4: cement around this core? Um, here's what I'm asking. You got Colin Sexton, who's an expiring contract. He's out for the season. I don't know if it really makes sense for them to pay him. I think there might be other teams out there that would be willing to pay him. I don't know if it makes sense for Cleveland to be that team.
3: I don't think so either. However, I think there's a decent chance uh, coming off the injury of just hey, maybe maybe we could get him in the low teens, and he can just be a really awesome six man because they do they desperately need more scoring in the pipeline somewhere, and um, to just try to treat him as your evolutionary Lou Williams going mm-hmm. forward. Now he's not going to want to be that, but yeah. perhaps the restricted free agency process could make that happen. I, I think this is one of those times when. Having some intel about other teams that might be interested in him mm-hmm. is really important. You know, I think the Pistons are the team to me that really, uh, you know, tr- he seems like a kind of Troy Weaver guy. I actually don't mind his fit too much with Cade. Pistons desperately need some more scoring on the wing as well. It seems like Killian Hayes a- as a foundational piece. It's probably time to give up on that.
4: He's he's killing them as a starter. Thank you. Ba-dun-tsh.
3: Yes, we all know that that's what his name starts. So, but so your thought would be move Sexton. And I mean, maybe I, I think the most you could hope to get would be a lotto protected first.
4: Yeah, I think I think that would be a win. Or do you trade him for like a real starting caliber wing, which is the one thing they still don't really have?
3: I don't think there's anybody who would want to do that for Colin Sexton, particularly again, because he's now his salary expectation is going to be $20 million a year. He's not going to play the rest about, of the year. What
4: about, what about Colin Sexton and your first round pick, which now might be like the 18th pick.
3: That's a little more interesting. Salary matching might be an issue. Um, but th- they can figure something out there. I-, I would imagine. Yeah. I'm just not sure. Wings are just hard to find. Uh, yeah. And I'm not, I'm not really sure who would, it, would, I mean, I don't think, like, would your thought be, because Atlanta wouldn't be interested in Sexton, but to get someone like, along the lines of Cam Reddish, a wing on another team that they feel like they can't play. But even even Cam Reddish's situation is somewhat unique. I'm not sure that there's anyone else out there that's looking to trade a young wing that might still have some promise.
4: I mean, Karis Levert? Could you, I mean, it's another, like, uh, gut, I mean, it's like a, you know, overrated for overrated challenge trade, right? Yeah.
3: Like, Well, because I, I think, honestly, Cleveland, as a bench guy and some, sometime closer in the right matchup, it's just a question of what the price is going to be. And, and if I'm Cleveland, I certainly would listen to it for all these things you're talking about. I, I just question whether it's possible. And, and they obviously, in their, for their long-term future, need a wing. They it's nice that they're a good story here and they're good, but they might also now be too good for their own good if they're making the playoffs and, and they, because they could obviously any team could use another difference maker high in the draft, right? Like someone like Jaden Ivey from Purdue, I think would look awesome in what these guys are trying to do in the future. But it just that, that type of player, I give them some more athleticism on the, on the perimeter, someone who can actually drive to the basket, etc. So I, uh, yeah, I, I'm not sure where you where you go from here with them. You don't. I, I wouldn't feel great about giving up future first round picks just for where they're at right now. Like I, I don't think you want to short circuit the process.
4: Maybe, maybe. I'm just looking at. You know, I look at Sexton. I look at Rubio's an expiring 17 million. Although he's been good there and he fits there, so you might want to. You might want to hang on. You might want Your best move might be to re-sign him, um, especially given that they're not really a cap room team next year anyway. Uh, so they they have some interesting decisions they're now faced with. I mean, it's kind of good problems to have, but you kind of ask yourself, okay, how do we make the most of this? Because they have this window now between Jared Allen's contract at flat 20 and Evan Mobley on a four-year rookie deal where they have these two awesome bigs making less than a quarter of the cap. Like, they have a tremendous opportunity to do something here if they play their cards right.
3: Yeah, as of right now, I project them to... Uh- be able to create as much as let's see. Once well, Kevin guess with, Love
4: comes off the books in twenty three, they can get to like fifty million, pretty
3: damn easy, right? Um, I wouldn't say that because they got uh, they got to pay Garland's, Garland. I guess Garland's yeah. cap hole to be twenty six million, so no, they could probably get to about a max slot mm-hmm. would be it that year. The you know we'll see how good that marketing contract it's going okay so far, but let's see how good that seventeen million looks at that point. Yeah, I mean right, that's just,
4: that's yeah. the other thing we haven't talked about. They could do they could turn around and trade marketing to try to get that true wing piece.
3: Uh, yeah, I guess so. I just it's trading other. We always talk about this like trading other positions for wing players, and it's just they're too valuable. It just doesn't. Yeah, I can't think of hard. very many trades where it's happened.
4: Believe me, I tried to trade for a wing for like seven years. I know.
3: <laughs> no, I remember. I, I actually, yeah. I, i'm not sure maybe someone in that memphis stable that they have would be someone that they could look at Uh, although i don't see like you know it's cleveland memphis not interested in colin section they got john moran already You can't play those guys together okay that's probably good enough for today we got a bunch of other teams we still need to talk about as we get into trade season i'm sure that'll be the focus of many of our future episodes as we're only less than two months away now from the trade deadline so looking forward to that
4: uh, we got to eliminate Orlando from the playoffs.
3: <laughs> oh, man. Well, the, for those who missed the joke, by the way, we apparently did that twice in a row without even realizing it. I just forgot to write it in the sheet. So you, you want to eliminate someone else from the playoffs then?
4: Yeah, I think I could do that. Um, let's see. Uh, have we eliminated the Magic yet?
3: <laughs> Maybe we should just eliminate two teams next time. So. <laughs> <laughs> We uh, and, and wait, one wait, of them won't be the magic.
4: So wait, wait, wait. We've done Oklahoma City. We've done we've done Detroit, Orlando, right? And and, and we've done we've,
3: Houston. And we've done Houston. Who's looking uh, like semi frisky lately, too? i
4: I know, right? Um, I I mean, it's got to be the Pelicans. They're eight and twenty-one. They're last in the West. Zion's going to be out for God knows how long. Um. I just I just don't see them getting off the mat at this point. The one thing that holds me back a little bit is that the West is so soft right now in those 9-10 spots that getting to the play in tournament does not require like a sustained bout of excellence, but I I just don't think they're even capable of the mediocrity required to get to 10th.
3: No, I think you're right. I mean particularly without Zion. Like yeah, they've they've been more respectable. Their defense has been better. Herb Jones has been a nice story. Vance has been a nice story, but yeah i mean they just don't have the talent level to to get there and of course i mean now hey when they make their win now trade though who knows who's gonna be on this team (laughs) but yeah i I mean it it would be either them or the kings i guess and i I think the the kings are even more in win now mode than than the pels are so sadly but uh all right let's (laughs) uh yeah i mean the pels are are they're behind the rockets now it seems seems like it's got to be them i'm in total agreement And hopefully you'll be in total agreement that you want to tune in with us again next week. We'll talk to you all soon. At Bet365, we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be
0: epic. Every basket, every game, every point, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. Whether it's a three-point at the buzzer to tie the game or a player that goes two for two at the foul line. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment. It's never ordinary at Bet365.